A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today we've got a crazy story of framing somebody, but first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our first story of the day is my ex-husband cheated with my friend and I made sure he'll never see our son again. My ex-husband and I fought all the time. Our relationship was extremely turbulent, but we stayed with each other and made sense since neither of us wanted a divorce. We'd come a long way being high school sweethearts and all. He was the only man I'd been with, and I was the only woman he'd been with. Everyone admired the longevity of our marriage, and we were placed on some pedestal. So, it was difficult to walk away from that. I felt that would be disappointing those who believed in our love. I'm sure he felt that way too. On the day I caught my ex-husband with my friend, I'd gone off to work as usual, but I got the flu and was very sick. My boss was terrified that others would catch it too, and everyone would have to take a sick leave, so she sent me home. I was so close to not catching them because I badly wanted to be at work. I tried to get out of going home, but my boss was insistent, so I reluctantly left the office for the parking lot. When I got to the parking lot, I couldn't drive. I was too tired, my nose was blocked, and I had a crazy headache. I decided to call a taxi instead. I knew my husband was going to be home, he had taken a week's break from work, so when I saw his car in the garage, I wasn't shocked at all. Some minutes later, I saw my husband and friend hooking up on the kitchen counter. She was sitting butt naked on the counter, and he had his pants down. I was beyond shocked. I didn't expect that my friend would be sleeping with my husband behind my back. It just didn't ever seem likely. They weren't even friendly towards each other. My ex-husband didn't exactly hate my friends, but he didn't love them either. He was mostly uninterested in some and disliked some others because whenever we had issues, they would try and encourage me to leave him. They were startled when they noticed me. My ex pulled up his pants and fled the kitchen. My friend tried to speak to me, but I ignored her. I raced upstairs and packed a suitcase. I knew I couldn't be there. I didn't want to hurt anyone because I could have hurt someone at that moment. I just got in our room and locked the door to prevent my friend or ex-husband from entering. The rage I felt was great. It threatened to overpower me. I also had a strange fear that my friend and ex-husband would come in and try to kill me. I don't know why I had that fear, but I had seen too many horror movies and real-life crime documentaries to not be wary. I called my immediate younger sister, who happened to be in town, and explained what had happened. She rushed over to my house and knocked loudly on the bedroom door. When I opened it, she hugged me in relief. I was worried that you were going to harm yourself, she said. I could tell that she had been crying. My sisters and I are fiercely protective of one another. If anyone did something to one of us, it would be just like they did it to all of us. Did you see them? I asked her. She said, yeah, I saw them drive out just as I pulled into your street. My sister would have made a scene and gotten physical. I was glad she didn't even meet them in the house. I said I need to take a long break from this house. My sister agreed. She helped me pack and drove me out to a nice hotel close to work. I decided I was going to stay there for a while. I didn't want to stay in that house anymore. 
The thought that my ex-husband probably had been inviting my friend over to the house when I was away at work haunted me. My sister went to my son's school to pick him up, took him home, and helped him pack a bag. They both joined me at the hotel, and she nursed me back to health before leaving us. I knew I was going to get a divorce, I was ready for it and my sister supported me, but that was not enough for what my ex-husband did to me. I wanted to make him pay, to hurt him as he had hurt me, and to make him feel the pain that I felt. My son and I stayed at the hotel for a month and some days while I looked for a new place for us to live. I finally found a nice apartment that was affordable for us, so we left the hotel for our new apartment. I went over to the house my ex and I shared and moved all of our, mine and my son's stuff, to the new apartment. My ex-husband wasn't home when I moved, but he drove up just as I was leaving and tried to talk to me. I shoved him away and when he still tried to speak to me, the driver of the vehicle I hired to transport our stuff to our new home held him down and prevented him from having access to me. I jumped in my car and drove away. He and my friend had been trying to talk to me since I caught them both pants down in my kitchen, but I refused to speak to them. My friend left me messages crying and apologizing. She promised she didn't mean to hurt me. I didn't give a hoot about her. As far as I was concerned, our friendship was over, and I had a score to settle with my ex. My ex-husband would come into my office to talk to me. Sometimes he'd be waiting outside the building. I had to talk to a security guy to prevent him from getting access to the building. That didn't stop him. He only stopped when I threatened to file for a restraining order. I knew there was no better way to deal with my ex than to prevent him from seeing his son. My ex-husband loved kids and he tried all that he could to make me have kids when we got married, even after I told him that I didn't think I wanted to have kids. He was in love with me so he didn't want to leave, but he also wanted a child badly. I had to compromise and decide that we would have a child compared to the two or four children that he originally wanted. Since our boy was little, he loved him so much. Our baby was his weakness and I was determined to use that against him. I could already see how upset he was. He hadn't seen his son ever since I caught him pants down with my friend. He didn't know where we were or what hotel we stayed in and I'd lied to his teachers about his dad being an abusive person and warned them to not allow him access to our child. When I called to tell him I was getting a divorce, he didn't object. That hurt me even more. I guess a part of me wanted him to be sorry, to plead and try to get me to stay. He simply said something about genuinely being in love with my friend and wanting us to move on from what had happened to be good parents to our child. I'm not going to fight you for anything, he said over the phone. If you want the house, the car, whatever you want, that's fine. I just want us to end things as civilly as possible for the sake of our kid. I hung up. He had the nerve to talk about civility after bringing his mistress who was my friend, to our house and hooking up with her right on the kitchen counter and God knows where else. I was never going to forgive him. As if that was not enough, he said he and my best friend genuinely loved each other. What? I kept asking myself how long they'd been going out together, how long it had been happening and I had no idea. I felt stupid, very stupid. I would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and shake my head in disbelief. I didn't deserve that level of betrayal from two people I loved and trusted with my life. My other friends were mad at her, but I didn't think they were mad enough. They still kept talking to her and even tried to stage a reconciliation. It was unfair. If any of them had been in my shoes, I would have been quick to cut the friend off. Soon, it became a difficult situation. 
They became undecided about who to hang out with and we were uncomfortable, so I decided to make it easier for them. I cut them off. I just felt they were too lukewarm about it. I knew they were mad at her, but none of them seriously confronted her about what she had done. Seeing them all hang out together and post pictures on Facebook tagging one another pissed me off even more. I filed for a divorce from my ex-husband and he was summoned. He agreed to the divorce and didn't contest it at all, so that went well. I was still keeping him from seeing our son. In one of the proceedings, he told the judge that I was keeping him from seeing our kid. I explained to the judge that my ex-husband was a dangerous man and being close to my child could put him in danger. This enraged him. He stood and cursed at me, but it only further proved my point to the judge. I knew my ex-husband. We'd been together for a very long time, so I knew what he could do and how he reacted to stuff. His dad was extremely violent and used to hit him, his half-sister, and their stepmom. All his life, he worried so much and feared being like his dad. He practically walked on eggshells afraid of his temper. There was no better way to get him to lose his cool than to accuse him of being just like his father. The judge said it was a weighted accusation and advised me to pursue the case for full custody separately. My ex-husband was downcast after the proceeding. He was going to approach him, but the judge had warned him to stay away from me. It wasn't a restraining order, but she threatened that she would not hesitate to issue a restraining order if he bothered me. Even then, he still tried to walk up to me and my lawyer, but his lawyer held him back. I saw my friend who had become his girlfriend waiting for him just in front of her car. He walked up to her and I saw them converse. My lawyer and I got in my car. I was going to drive him back to his office when I saw my friend walking toward me. I pointed in her direction and told my lawyer that she was the other woman I caught my husband with. Let's just go, my lawyer advised. No, no, let her come. She walked up to us and tried to spit in my lawyer's face. Luckily, she missed and her saliva landed on the window. Shame on you, she screeched. Shame on you, you know he would never pose a danger to his son. He loves that boy, she said angrily. I laughed out loud like the wicked witch laughs in movies when she's about to do an evil trick. Then I drove off. I loved that I was getting to her and her boyfriend. There was no way they could enjoy their relationship, with my ex-husband being very unhappy about the situation. He hadn't seen his son in months, and I was determined to keep him from seeing him for years. My sister found me a brutal custody lawyer in the city and I reached out to her. She was brutal and uninterested in being merciful. She was also very good. I loved her the minute I met her. You could tell that she meant business. For a while, I wondered what her story was, but she told me that she's never been married and had no children. When my ex-husband found out that I'd been secretly texting my coworker, he was very mad about it. We had a big argument and my sister accidentally taped it. She was living in her house at the time. She suggested we use it as proof that my ex-husband was violent. I didn't even feel like I was telling a lie because he could have hit me that day if my sister hadn't stepped in. He did apologize later and we tried to fix things, but that was two years before he started having an affair with my friend. My sister found the old recording and we handed it over to my lawyer as one of the pieces of evidence that would be presented. I spoke to the haulage company driver, the one who helped me move my stuff from the house I lived in with my ex-husband to our new apartment. He was there when my ex tried to physically prevent me from leaving the house and had even held me down so he could testify in my favor. It also checked out that my ex's dad was an abusive man. 
With my brutal lawyer and the evidence available, coupled with my ex's numerous emotional outbursts in court, I won and got full custody of my child. He didn't even get supervised visits. Of course, he's allowed to contest the court's decision and file an appeal, but that may take a while and he won't get to see his son. He tried many times to get his lawyer to speak to me, but I was unyielding. I also refused to speak to the friends I'd cut off when they tried to confront me about the issue. I don't feel bad for him at all. I feel satisfied by making him feel miserable. I may reconsider certain things and allow him access to our child if he leaves my former friend, but the last time I checked, they were still together and even living together. There's no way I can co-parent with that arrangement. Right now, I'm preparing to leave the state. I've already accepted a transfer at work anyway. That way, it would cement everything and my ex would never see my son. I think there's a lot to say about this that isn't healthy from OP's perspective and OP's side of things. And frankly, I feel bad for the kid for not being able to see their father because OP's frankly pretty spiteful. OP wants revenge, but ultimately they're just punishing their kid. Also, I was kind of curious, if you're in a friend group and one of the friends cheats with another friend's spouse, should everybody in that friend group be expected to cut that cheating friend off? OP being upset with their friend group early on in the story and how they didn't cut off their one friend for sleeping with OP's partner kind of just got me thinking, should you be expected for everybody to cut that off right there? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. That said, our final story of the day is boss harasses my girlfriend, so I framed him for fraud. Sometimes, I feel like power is everything that's wrong with this world. Not necessarily the power, but the people that wield it. Take a look at history and see what I'm talking about. King Leopold II had power, Vladimir Lenin had power, and Adolf had power. But what did they do? They killed millions upon millions. We're quite lucky that we don't live in that era of indiscriminate killing anymore, because if not, I think it would be safe to say that lots of us wouldn't be hearing this story. Anyways, people in power have evolved over the last few centuries. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There aren't a lot of killings now, not because these powerful people have suddenly grown big hearts, but because they won't go unchecked, but they've found more ways to make the lives of the powerless more unbearable by the day. Some people would have even preferred the mercy of a quick death. These days, powerful people come in many forms, but the most popular ones are workplace bosses. These sets of people will drive you completely nutty if care is not taken. They would take and take and you'll give your all to them and it still won't be enough. Some bosses have even been known to drive people to ending it all. This story is about my boss, 
how he harassed my girlfriend Jenny, and everything that came after. So just sit back and enjoy. I met Jenny in my sophomore year of high school. She was a transfer student from one of those countries I can't pronounce. She was into a lot of things that I was into. Movies, computers, games. We hit it off almost immediately. I had a crush on her at this time, but I didn't say anything. I've always felt like she was way out of my league, and I didn't want to ruin our friendship by trying to get romantic with her. Jenny was not your regular type of geek. She was beautiful, stylish, had a great sense of humor, and most of all, she was real. She says what she wants and hangs out with who she wants to hang out with. She is the person she wanted to be. Not the image or idea of a person that society wanted her to be. This trait made her one of the most hated persons by the cheerleading squad. Because while she didn't put too much effort into making herself noticed or popular, people were naturally drawn to her, making her all of those things. Well, she was bullied in her junior and senior years. Those cheerleaders really did a number on her, but she was strong. We stuck together and she didn't let them get to her. Our high school experience wasn't the best, but we survived it because we were excited about college. We had the intention of going to the same college, so we applied to the same colleges and, not surprising really because we were nerds and all, we actually got accepted to the four universities we applied to. Eventually we chose the one furthest from home and went there, but college wasn't what we thought it out to be. In the first year, we did really well with our courses and even came out on top of our classes, but the people, not so much. We had always expected that college would be filled with mature, career-driven people that we could relate to and maybe even build lasting friendships with, but that wasn't the case. College was like high school, but way worse. The jocks in high school evolved to frat boys, while the cheerleaders evolved to sorority girls. We weren't bullied or whatever, but it got really lonely. We didn't really have anyone but ourselves. Anyways, that was the first year. We met some really nice people in the second and third years, fellow nerds and geeks. By the mid-semester of our third year, I decided to ask Jenny to be my girlfriend. By this time, I'd been in love with her for almost seven years, and I'd watched her date a number of guys all throughout our time in high school and our first and second year of college. I just couldn't keep my feelings a secret anymore. To my uttermost surprise, she said yes. We graduated college the next year, and we decided to apply to the same company. The company had a strict no-dating co-workers policy, so we had to keep our relationships under wraps during the interview. And shockingly, we both got hired. That afternoon, we got back to our shared apartment, popped a bottle of cheap champagne, and celebrated. We were so happy because we felt like it was all worth it. The troubles in high school, the loneliness in college. We were finally in one of the most popular banks in the state. Things were looking up, or so we thought. On our first day in the company, we arrived earlier than others. We came at different times, of course. We didn't want to arouse suspicion. We were given the tour by an office assistant, then shown to our different workspaces. Jenny was hired as a data processing officer, while I got a job as the junior internal auditor. So we worked on the same floor, but on different sides. If I peeked above my computer, I could see her in the distance behind the glass doors. It was great. Well, not for long. The branch manager arrived a few hours after we did, and all the fun ended. He yelled at everyone and everything until he got to his office. A few minutes later, the manager's assistant rushed out and rounded up all the new hires. Me, Jenny, and a couple of other guys in IT. 
She said the manager wanted to meet us all. She whispered, good luck, and then hurried away, probably to get him coffee or something. I straightened my clothes, remade my tie, took a deep breath, and then joined the other guys as they trooped into his office. The bank manager was a big man. When I say big, I don't mean built or muscular. I'm politely saying he was fat. He had balding hair and a really weird mustache. He also sweat a lot and smelled funny. I disliked him already, due to the way he yelled and talked to the workers when he walked in. But when we walked into his office, I noticed the way his eyes stuck to Jenna, sizing her up as he ate a hamburger. The last guy walked in and we all stood in silence as we watched the manager devour the hamburger. When he was done, he squeezed the wrapper and threw it towards the bin. It missed by a few inches and dropped to the floor, so he signaled to one of the guys in front of me to pick it up. Then he gave a really long speech about how lucky we were to be hired by the firm and how he wouldn't hesitate to fire any one of us if we screwed up. All through the time he was speaking, he only looked at Jenny. I noticed that she was starting to get uncomfortable, but there was nothing I could do. It was my first day, and I didn't want to get on his bad side. An hour later, he dismissed us, and we trooped out once again. He asked Jenny to wait behind, and right then, I knew that I was going to have problems with the manager. Jenny and I left the office a few minutes apart, and we got to our rendezvous point and shared a cab home. We settled down to some pepperoni pizza and orange juice, and I asked her what the deal was with the manager. She shrugged and said he only asked for her name and station. She told me there was no problem, but I wasn't convinced. Jenna had always been trusting with boys, and they've always tried to take advantage of her one way or the other. I, on the other hand, am a cynic. I don't trust people. Say what you will, but if you've had an experience with jocks and frat boys like I have, you'd probably be a cynic too. I started to pay more attention to the bank manager, and boy, I was right. After two days of intense study, I learned that he was a perpetual womanizer. He touches and harasses at least one woman at work each day, and his targets are usually the less confident, shy, and poor ones who won't say anything because they were scared of losing their job. I was so mad that I walked up to one of these women and asked them why they didn't sue him for harassment, or at least report him to the disciplinary board. They merely laughed and then said that the last person that reported him to the board got fired. After the disciplinary hearing, the board let the branch manager off with a warning, but a few weeks later, the girl was fired for negligence of duty. When she took her case to court, the company lawyers got the case thrown out before it even got to a hearing. The worst part? According to one of the guys in sales who keeps in touch with the girl, she hadn't been able to get a job in business since then, and she had to resort to taking a job in a middle school. The branch manager obviously had friends in high places, and it would be insanely difficult, if not impossible, to pull them down. A mere two weeks after we were hired, I noticed that the manager had started to call Jenny into his office more often. She would fetch his coffee, tend to his files, and answer phone calls that were not in her work description. All the while, he had a personal office assistant. I got really worried and I talked to Jenny about it, but she waved me off again. She even started to defend him, saying that he wasn't who the other workers say he was. She said he was nice and friendly and he'd never said or done anything inappropriate to her. Yeah, Jenny's trust can come with a whole lot of naivety too. Another two weeks later, that is a month after we were hired, the manager touched her inappropriately. He called her into the office, and for the first time since she's been visiting his office, 
he asked her to drop off the blinds. I got so mad because I knew exactly what was about to happen. I stood up from my chair and was about to storm off to the manager's office, but I quickly remembered the consequences. Any irrational decision I make could jeopardize mine and Jenny's jobs. I decided to wait until she comes out. When she did, she looked flustered and teary-eyed. I knew something had happened. The ride home from our rendezvous point was quiet. I tried to make her talk, but she wouldn't even look at me. When we got home, I tried again and she finally opened up to me. She said the manager had called her to help him sort out some files for a meeting. She got to his office, but he told her to close the blinds because he was feeling a headache from looking at the workers' faces all day. She thought he meant it as a joke, but he wasn't. She closed the blinds, then went ahead to work with the files. A few minutes later, the manager stood up from his seat, circled the table to stand behind her. He bent low, pretending to look into the files she was sorting. Then he made a statement about her being tense in the shoulders. Without permission, he started to massage her shoulders. Jane tried to get him to stop by telling him politely that she was fine and that there was no need for a massage, but he didn't. In a split second, his hands dropped down to grab both on her chest. She tried to struggle out of his hold, but he threatened that if she didn't do as he said, he would fire her and make sure that she never gets a job anywhere. With that, she stopped struggling and he continued to mess around. That was the only thing he did, thankfully. Jenna promised to get her revenge. She wanted to go to the disciplinary board to report him, but I cautioned her restraint. She needed concrete evidence to stand a chance to bring him down, but she didn't. Even if she did, what's to say the committee wouldn't let him go with a warning again and fire her as they did the last girl that tried to get justice? Then I told her to leave him to me. I was so mad about the whole incident. It brought back memories I've tried to bury deep. The high school bullying and everything else. How could we be so powerless in high school, college, and still in our workplace? When are we going to get a break? Well, I decided that we weren't going to be the victims anymore. Not if I could help it. If we couldn't stop them the right way, we'll have to try other ways. I enlisted the help of some of the workers in the bank, mostly the females that had been harassed. Some of them were reluctant at first, but when I made it clear that he wasn't going to stop and that this was the only way to actually get justice for themselves, they agreed. The first step of my plan was to create an offshore account with his details. One of the girls at IT did this. She used an air-gapped system so it wouldn't be traced back to us. Then one of the workers in charge of customer accounts started to move some money into the offshore account. Little by little, then I falsified the transaction reports, making it look like the branch manager was swiping money from customer accounts under the guise of bank charges. I emailed the report to the CEO the next day, and a few days later, the CEO came to the office, escorted by the building security and some lawyers. The manager was fired immediately, then sued for money laundering and misdemeanor embezzlement. He looked so confused and scared as security escorted him out of the building. The workers gave a whoop of joy as the elevator closed. Most of them didn't even know what happened. Even Jenny, but it didn't matter. The tyrant was gone and they could rest easy. The hearing was closed because the CEO didn't want the incident leaked to the public. So we didn't get the full details, but by the end of the trial, the manager was sentenced to 12 months in jail. Fitting in my book... He might not have gone to jail for his actual crimes, but I didn't care. 
he faced the justice that had evaded him for so long, and that was good enough for me. When you're a monster that is willing to go and do this to so many people, it's honestly no surprise to me that at the first chance somebody can take him down, people who have been deeply, permanently traumatized at the hands of this guy, who keeps getting off scot-free, that something is going to happen. I'm sure this dude wasn't even aware of it, but they were building up a target on their back that continued to grow the longer they kept going scot-free and as they continued increasing the number of people they personally affected. Like OP said, they may not be locked up for the right reason, but they deserve to be locked up all the same. That said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 